Welcome to Paid in Puke, a podcast where three women with names discuss movies about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. It's Paid in Puke Series 6, Episode 6. I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Annie Malone. And I'm Christina Barr. Nailed it. Yay! (laughs) And on today's episode, we're unlocking the mysteries of David Lynch's 2001 surreal drama, Mulholland Drive, starring Naomi Watts and Laura Elena Haring. I can't believe it. I'm just so excited to be here. I'm in this dream place. This one comes highly recommended. Dream place. What are you doing? Get out of the car. The girl is still missing. What's wrong? I don't know who I am. I wonder where you were going. Mulholland Drive. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. Silencio. This is all. I know who you are, don't you? Where's this going? Mulholland Drive. It's been a very strange day. I'm getting stranger. I am personally so very excited to talk about this movie for many reasons. Sure, I've mentioned before that David Lynch is my favorite director. Also, Annie Malone and I have recently started a Twin Peaks podcast called Really Weird Stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've Check been it like, really eating and breathing and sleeping David Lynch <laughs> for a while. And it's kind of one of those things where I feel like the more David Lynch dive you go, the more you want to dive further. Mm-hmm. Like you just, yeah. you can't, it's hard to come back from, <laughs> from a deep dive into David Lynch. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Mulholland Drive tells the story of a bright-eyed young actress named Aww. Betty who travels to Hollywood from a small town in Canada in order to break into the movie biz. <laughs> but she gets caught up in a potentially dangerous mystery when she meets a beautiful amnesiac named Rita. <laughs> or... Oh my goodness. Or that's not at all what this movie is about. <laughs> right. Or is it the story of a dull-eyed, failed actress Aww. who puts a hit on her ex-girlfriend for stealing her role and breaking up with her? Sad. I feel like it is that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So, had y'all seen this before? And if so, did you get it the first time? <laughs> <laughs> I saw it when it was in the theater, so I 
remembered certain scenes from it, but I didn't totally remember the story. And I just watched it again this week and I'm still not totally sure I got it. But with David Lynch, I don't always expect to get it. I just really enjoy the ride, I guess, Mm. like with such good actors. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I didn't get it, but I really liked it. (laughs) His casts are always incredible. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just because of the way he finds his cast. He doesn't audition. He just has like lunch with people. (laughs) He's like, I want to meet this person and talk to them. And then at the end of the lunch, he knows if he wants to cast them or not. Interesting. And that's how he gets a lot of kind of non-actors too, or people who don't (laughs) do a lot of acting. He's just got such a good sense of how people fit into his movie. And then sometimes he'll be like, you're not right for this part, but I'm going to write a role for you because I really liked talking to you and so cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Animal Alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw it when it came out. I, what year did this come out? 2001. Oh, okay. That's the one year that I can't be sure. Because I feel like I remember watching it, not in the theater, but renting it with my boyfriend at the time. And I don't remember which one it was. And that's like the one year where it could have either been my <laughs> old one or it could have been my ex-husband. And I don't remember who I watched it with. <laughs> I watched it twice in this week leading up to it once with Logan. And the first time I watched it, I felt like, I feel like I get it. Or like, I'm almost there. Mm-hmm. And then after I watched it a second time, I was like, all right, I feel like I like 90% get it. Yeah. Which is about as much as you can expect, I think. <laughs> I feel like 90% is really good David Lynch comprehension. Just <laughs> yeah. in general. Because there are things that I think he, even he doesn't really understand. Like, people have asked him about his obsession with electricity. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know. It's just really mysterious to me. <laughs> I mean, That's so charming. I know. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like electricity can be explained, right? Yes, it's but it's mysterious to him because he's not right. an electrician. And right. I like that he's like, I'm keeping it a mystery because I don't want it ruined for me. Because yeah. to him, it's almost magic. And I totally get that, too. If someone said, I need you to fix this light bulb or light fixture or whatever, I'd be like, can't do it, you know? There is a way to do it, but uh, it's a mystery. <laughs> I like that attitude. I just love how he can take these mundane situations and make them somehow elevated in a way that's, like, fascinating. Even showing, like, a fan going or, like, a, yeah. <laughs> you know, a light flickering or... In The Return, there's a lot of shots of, like, outlets and mm-hmm. they, how they look like little faces. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They always look so surprised. Yeah. <laughs> different movies have different kinds of electricity that he's kind of obsessed with. Like, I just watched Lost Highway last night and... That's all about fluorescent lights and the kind of lights that attract moths. There's like always oh, moths yeah. like dying on lights. So it's really buzzy, flickery lights. That, that is like the through line in that movie. <laughs> this one is lamps, I think. There's yeah. just so many lamps. There's a lot of lamps in this one. And then, of course, just like blue flashing light, which is also in the Lost Highway. He's got themes. Also, I feel like he likes like tape recorders as a theme. Like that, yeah. he seems so interested in that. Like, we see that so much in Twin Peaks, and then the whole odd thing about the silencio. And this is actually a recording. Like, that's a <laughs> magical thing. Yeah. If we want to hear a clarinet, listen. Un trombone à coulisse. It's all recorded. No! I banda! 
It is all a tape. I know that the, the like, host or the MC of the Silencio Club is like basically a, mag- a magician. Yeah, <laughs> because there's a tape recording. This is amazing. Right. I mean, it's kind of like David Lynch, right? Like, I'm making this really simple thing seem amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and I loved the way that Los Angeles was portrayed in it like Betty's aunt's complex like where it's lush gardens inside and like it's an old Hollywood kind of feel Coco I think she was like a famous old Hollywood actress and like there's that golden age of movies kind of Mm -hmm. feel of Los Angeles then you see Adam's house all the smog behind like as the mobsters like Mm -hmm. approaching the guy's house there's like the really smoggy Hollywood Hills home and then I don't know like like 90s lush yeah yeah triangles glued together with big windows (laughs) right (laughs) humongous houses in the hills and like you have to go up windy roads to get to and I know it's so crazy hilly there you think it's hilly in Seattle but it just when Rita's walking down the hill after the car accident in the beginning I love that shot of her disappearing into the bushes and like the brush I guess but she's kind of like sinking down because the elevation is so steep it really makes you think like that is a steep hill that she's yeah. going to walk down in her heels with concussion <laughs> and I love the way her arms don't move either like she's kind of like doing a little bit of a zombie walk down the hill <laughs> I've thought a lot about pretty much every shot in this movie <laughs> shut up hot probs is on oh shit yeah I mean, I guess like my hot problem with this is I feel like sometimes he sort of hides behind the excuse, this is all a dream, that nothing has to make sense. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes there's just weird shit that it's like, what is this? And it's, well, it's a dream, so nothing has to make any sense. You know what I mean? I don't know if I know. I mean, I know what you are saying, but give me some examples. Um, I mean, I guess also part of it is some of the stuff that's in there, knowing that this was going to be a series is sort of not followed up on like when Dan Hedaya is in the meeting mm-hmm. with Justin, you know, megastar Dan Hedaya, everybody. <laughs> yes. <him>. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like the people up above and one of them is the dwarf. I just thought that was a little bit like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that is, I, okay. So my interpretation of that is that that's like David Lynch's dig at Hollywood executives and producers who are just in it for the business aspect and don't care about the art at all. Her name is Camilla Rhodes. The director doesn't want her. Do you want him replaced? I know they said... Then? Then... That means we should... Yes. everything down. Is that something that... Do you want us to shut everything down? Then we'll shut everything down. It's like a metaphor for producers who are like in an office somewhere and are so detached from the picture that they don't even leave the room that they're, you know, they stay in the office and they Mm -hmm. just make calls with no information other than like, how much money is this going to cost me or how much money I can make or, you know, like clandestine reasons, basically. I definitely took that note like the first time when I was halfway through and like after the second time, like I definitely felt like 
pretty much everything is in here for a reason, you know. But I mean, I didn't really have problems with this movie. Yes. <laughs> that, that was like my lukewarm problem. Does he ever like sort of hide behind nothing has to make sense because... It's all a dream or something. You know I mean, I don't know if hiding behind it is the right way to put it, but he, I mean, I'm sure that there are things that he puts in there just because he likes them and he thinks aesthetically they will fit mm-hmm. with the narrative. And there are probably things that he ascribes meaning to after the fact or, yeah, I mean, I think there, as an artist and because he's also like a painter and a sculptor, I think he uses that mindset when he's making movies. <laughs> I'm like, this would look really cool here. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I love him. I mean, I really don't have problems with this movie. The most I can say is sort of like I can see if you were talking to someone who didn't like David Lynch and they were like, you know, I just think he's really self-indulgent. Like, I couldn't really argue with that. And, like, it either works for you or it doesn't, you know? Yes. I'm like, yeah, great. Like, put all the weird stuff you want to put in. Like, it's (laughs) it's so good, you know? (laughs) Do you have any hot problems? I have my... I wrote... I have literally none. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot think of a single one, no. How about you, Ms. Bond? I really enjoyed it. There are moments where I think... David Lynch wants to build suspense, but like sometimes the characters, the spaces, but the silence between like where Justin Thoreau's like Camilla and I, and then it's like this long pause. Oh yeah, and he are... is talking very slowly. Camilla and I. are going to be. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, just say it. I feel like I've seen that in Twin Peaks too, where there are these like delayed, like maybe it's like a stylistic (laughs) thing, but I'm like, just say it. I don't know. Like the like fucking with Diane. That's 100% just trolling Diane because in that scene, Diana is the ex-girlfriend of his fiance, and they basically invited her there to rub it all in her face. Oh, uh, well, so I he, felt like I was being trolled. <laughs> I don't that's because, here's why. <laughs> because this movie is through Diane's perspective. Every shot that is not of Diane is Diane's perspective. And that's why if it's not a shot of Diane, then the camera's a little shaky. Oh, that makes more sense then, because I was just like, oh my god. I was so fucking annoyed with that guy. And you're about to find out that she's going to marry the guy that she dumped you for. And that they basically invited you there to make fun of you. Mm, That's an interesting way of looking at it, because I was just like... (laughs) not nice, Camilla. A sliz. Yeah. (laughs) She's on the sliz list. (laughs) That's an interesting way of thinking about it then it was like very effective like because i was like i can't fucking stand waiting for this person to yeah actually say what he's you're supposed to hate him i love like how his character is so like the stereotype of like the quirky arty director like he's all in black with his trench coat and his arty glasses yes. you know <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> it is really funny i feel like justin Theroux had a blast playing that role. <laughs> Plus, he's easy on the eyes, as is pretty much everyone in this movie. Yeah. So attractive cast. Except for maybe the lady behind the winkies. <laughs> she doesn't do anything for me. <laughs>
Next call. I love that Billy Ray Cyrus was in it. I just love seeing people that are from out of left field in a movie like that. It's It's so so enjoyable for me. So out of left field. As the sexy pool boy, Billy Ray Cyrus. And I like how he's like encouraging him to chill out, kind of like. Yes. It's still your wife, no matter what she said. That's ain't no way to treat your wife, no matter what she did. Bastard! You bastard! Probably upset, Lorraine. So funny. <laughs> I know he's such a chill dude that you almost even get it. Like she's not chill at all. She's like, I need someone chill, and you are not chill, like her husband. <laughs> I can't believe she thought that she was gonna beat up that bodyguard That's guy, so the henchman that came yeah. to like collect or whatever at Adam's place. That and didn't seem ill it's like, why is she <laughs> thinking that she can just jump on this guy? <laughs> and then like there are just uh, these other like side characters. One of my favorite scenes is. The guy is trying to steal, like, the contact book or whatever, mm-hmm. the notebook. Hey, so that's, uh, that's it, huh? That's Ed's uh, famous black book. The history of the world. And phone numbers. And, like, the guy with the long hair and the toothpick. I don't know, I just love that guy yeah. for some reason. And, like, they, they're, like, laughing so hard. He's like, fucking car accident. <laughs> Gee, I hope you're not going to get in any trouble. Oh, that was just a thing, man. But that story, that made you laugh, right? That was a funny story, man. <laughs> fucking car accident. <laughs> I loved characters like that and, like, just seeing toothpick acting. I don't know, I like, really the weird like prop. When she tells Justin Theroux to call the cowboy and how heavily he leans into the cowboy <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. I'll give him a yodel. Get along, little dog. It's like yes. every cowboy thing you can think of. It's this guy, the cowboy, wants to see you. Jason said he thought it'd be a good idea. Oh, Jason thought it'd be a good idea for me to go see the cowboy. Well, should I wear my 10-gallon hat and my six-shooters? Where do I meet this cowboy? I mean, do I have to ride out to the range? Look, just go on and give that cowboy a yodel and get on back to me. Okay. But you don't know what you're missing. Uh, uh, just get along, little doggy, and call me back. <laughs> That's some of my meaningful passages. That is yeah. so funny. And then I love how, like, the cowboy takes him down. The Uh-oh. cowboy's like, I don't think you're cute at all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop for a little second. Think about it. Can you do that for me? <laughs> okay. I'm thinking. No, you're not thinking. You're too busy being a smart aleck to be thinking. Now I want you to think and stop being a smart aleck. Can you try that for me? Look, where's this going? What do you want me to do? There's sometimes a buggy. How many drivers does a buggy have? One. So let's just say I'm driving this buggy and if you fix your attitude, you can ride along with me. Ugh, I love the cowboys so much. But that's another thing that's like, these are the people who are making decisions okay. <laughs> in Hollywood. You gotta call in the cowboy. Well, let's see, does anybody have any questions about how this movie unfolds? Should we just go through it? For our listeners, or? Yeah, we could just go through it. I mean, I have a bunch of notes here with like big question marks. Don't play for real until it gets real. I think I just didn't know what that meant. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes! Okay.
okay, we can just jump to that scene. Okay. I fucking love that scene because that guy is like David Lynch is making fun of a hacky director who doesn't know how to direct actors. Oh, okay. Right. But then also I think he's ribbing himself a little bit because sometimes we'll say things like that. Bob, do you have anything you wish to say? Something to Betty before we begin. No, it's not a contest. The two of them with themselves. So don't play for real until it gets real. Okay. Everyone's like, I don't know what you mean by that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make it real until it gets real. I love that whole scene, Diane basically being like, I was the greatest undiscovered actress of all time. Mm -hmm. I really couldn't figure out, like, what Justin Theroux's movie, or Adam is his name, what his movie that he was making, like, what was this movie? Some (laughs) 50s movie. Oh, right. She's supposed Uh, to just be, like, a famous singer. Oh, I feel like I did not put that together when she says that's how we met, that that was... Adam's movie that they met on. Okay. Yes. I had not put that together. So that was the movie that they both auditioned for. Right. And then Camilla got it. Because and she so was in the her girl. in her fantasy it's because these like executives in a box yes, wanted that her was to be. Totally out of anybody's hands. Yes, exactly. It's funny that she doesn't blame Adam, even though he obviously was like hitting on her pretty hard. <laughs> right. I love the scene in the Winkies with Patrick Fischler. That's just such a scary scene. It's yeah. so creepy. So you had a dream about this place? It's the second one I've had. But they're both the same. They start out that I'm in here, but it's not day or night. It, it's kind of half night, you know? But it looks just like this, <laughs> except for the light. And I'm scared, like, I can't tell you. Of all people, you're standing right over there. And you're scared. I get even more frightened when I see how afraid you are, and... Then I realize what it is. (laughs) There's a man in back of this place. He's the one who's doing it. You really feel the dread of both of those characters. I love that guy. I mean, and he's so scared to walk to the back. But, like, his friend is trying to, like... Is that his therapist or his friend? Or, I don't... Yeah, I didn't know who that guy was. the guy he knows. I mean, they're all part of... Diane's dream but within the dream their relationship is like I had a dream and you were in it and this dream has been haunting me ever since so I needed you to meet me for lunch so that we can work through this and then it doesn't go well (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love that his friend is like Dave are you okay and Dave is like so not okay right the thing you like Like, are you okay (laughs) (laughs) just some water (laughs) (laughs) I really like Although it's like then it gets sad, but like I like how in her dream, like how Betty is just like so bright eyed and so optimistic, <laughs> going to become a big star. Well, it's time to say goodbye, Betty. It's so nice traveling with you. 
Thank you, Irene. I was so excited, nervous. It's sure great to have you to talk to. Remember, I'll be watching for you on the big screen. Okay, Irene. Won't that be the day? Good luck, Betty dear. Take care of yourself and be careful. I will. Thanks again. Thank you. Betty, it was so nice meeting you. Oh, all the luck in the world. Thank you. It's such a bummer when she wakes up. <laughs> and she's Aww. not that at all, yeah. She's a sad lady. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How disillusioned she's become. And like those old people she met on the plane, <sighs> they come back in the end. Right, like I who love... are those people for real? Are they real at all? I think they are people that she met when she came to LA for oh, the first okay. time. The opening kind of is a flashback in a way. Mm. The opening credits are like the flashback to the jitterbug contest that she won. And her arriving in LA all happy and meeting these like two old people who were like, good luck, we'll look for you on the silver screen. And then how like shitty everything got after that. Yeah. (laughs) How it did not go well. Yeah, such high hopes. Yeah. The disappointment maybe at the end when they are attacking her. She's failed herself and she's failed these like random old people. So who is the dead woman in the bed supposed to be? It's her. That's her. Yeah. Is she it, really died? She or? dies at the end. Yeah, the last yeah. thing that happens in the movie is that she kills herself. Okay. She dreams that she's dead and then wakes up. And oh. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's why just... she's somebody else in her dream, too. She's Betty because Diane is fucked up and <laughs> about to kill herself. Wow. Yeah, she just swapped names with the waitress. And so there was no car accident with Diane. Diane just happened to get out of the limo and take her to the... Okay. And they just went up to the house a different way. She meets her... It's all part of the, like, trolling thing. She, like, meets her there is like, oh, it's a surprise, a special surprise. I wanted to meet you and get you all excited. Shortcut. Come on, sweetheart. Yeah, and she, like, like kisses her. A very friendly ex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Good terms with that ex. Yeah, they kissed, and then they looked at her. Yeah. And just like, wow. Which, again, it's her perspective, so maybe it wasn't quite so pointed, but that's how it felt to her. Yeah. 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 That's how it felt (laughs) watching it. I was like, jeez. I marvel at how, in her perspective, we are. It's, like, literally POV camera, but also subtly POV, even when... We're seeing her because we just you really understand her and feel all the things she's feeling. <laughs> and then the silencio, the woman who says silencio in the end. Silencio. Is that just like another like going back to the dream? And did that yeah. theater exist? I don't think so. Oh. That, that was, was such just part of her dream. That was like I love that. That was uh, kind of her reality creeping in a little bit. This is all an illusion. Right. And she's like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to hear that. So like, much it's... of it is just about being disillusioned with like her life and with Hollywood. That was such an effective scene. Ooh. The Roy Orbison crying yeah. in Spanish yeah. and like so they're both just like weeping. She's and I love that scene. I really like that yeah. scene a lot. Yeah. 
por tu amor llorando por tu amor luego de tu adiós sentí todo mi dolor sola y llorando really like even though it's so uncomfortable like the scene when she auditions the guy mm -hmm. yeah and i want to play this really tight yeah know? really to lose tell me where it hurts baby what? <laughs> hey bobby i want to play this one nice and close like we did with that other girl uh what's her name uh, the one with the black hair it felt kind of good what do you think that's good Woody. just don't rush that line again i told you the line where you say before what bobby Acting is reacting. I just play off them. They all say, um, uh, they're going to arrest you like that, and then they'll put you in jail. They all say it the same way, so when they say it, I just react. What's your name? Betty. Yeah, Betty. Look, you don't rush it, I don't rush it, okay? Now, we're going to play this nice and close, just like in the movies, okay? Dad's best friend goes to work. It's like so funny in a way, like how you saw her rehearsing it first with Rita. And, and it was like, not that good. <laughs> You're still here? I came back. I thought that's what you wanted. Nobody wants you here. Really? My parents are right upstairs. They think you've left. So? Surprise. I can call them. I can call my dad. But you won't. If you're trying to blackmail me, it's not going to work. You're playing a dangerous game here. You know what I want. It's not that difficult. Get out. Get out before I call my dad. He trusts you. You're his best friend. This will be the end of everything. I think it's really funny when she does kiss him and she's got like, right like with the knife. You're playing a dangerous game here. If you're trying to blackmail me, it's not going to You know what I want. It's not that difficult. Get out. Get out before I call my dad. He trusts you. You're his best friend. This will be the end of everything. I really like that. Yeah. She grabs his hand and puts it on her ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that guy's so creepy. She's amazing. She's God, so Naomi good. Watts is such she a talented actress. Right. It's like poignant to me, like how in the dream it's like, okay, I came to Hollywood so starry-eyed, and then I found that it was like this seamy corrupt underbelly, but I sort of took charge and owned it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like that's what's happening in that scene is like, oh, gross, this isn't going how I thought it would, but I'm going to take charge of it. I'm going to roll not, with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like more than roll with, with it, yeah, you're you know? Right. I think the guy is very thrown by her. <laughs> you know, like, I think he was expecting to sort of, like, be making her uncomfortable. And then, like, she gets she out of the... script on <laughs> She gets out of the room and, like, the other talent casting agents are like, oh, yeah, that guy's a total joke. We're, we're going right. to take you across the street and... Yes. Don't worry about it. That's never going to get made. And she's just put her fucking heart and soul into the scene. And it's just like, 
don't worry about that shit. It's garbage. We're going to go across the street. And, right. You know, and like, then she goes across the street. And then it's like you can tell Justin Thoreau would love to cast her mm-hmm. in his movie, but he can't. It does feel like also like she's saying like any of my failures in Hollywood are because of behind the scenes stuff that I had no control over. You know, like right. I yeah. killed this audition, but that thing was never going to get made. Yeah. Or the director knew I was the perfect one for this part, but it was out of his hands. Yes, absolutely. And also when she's rehearsing with Rita, I love it's like a <laughs> low-key burn on... <laughs> well, I was going to say it's a low-key burn on Rita, like on Camilla in real life, that like Rita yeah. is really terrible. So like bad. she's reading like producer or somebody who's reading the sides with you. What about you? What will your dad think about you? Stop! Just stop it! That's what you said from the beginning! <laughs> like she's the worst actor. <laughs> she's really and she's the one who got the part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, I do love how Betty is fine, but not that good in the, when she's practicing at home. Mm-hmm. That's just such a great testament to Naomi Watts in general, where she's like, I can pretend to be mediocre actress, I can pretend to be a fucking phenomenal actress, I can right. pretend to be two different people. Like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, she's so good. <laughs> and a fun fact about Naomi Watts is that she was about ready to quit acting when she got cast oh. in this. Like, she was literally leaving Hollywood, and then she's oh, wow. like, I'll go on this lunch with David and got cast and it changed her whole life. That's amazing. Yeah. Such a crappy business. I love movies, but like the whole business of it is just really fucking hard. It's like obviously hyperbole, but it's not far off from the way that David portrays it. Yeah. It's it's not literally like creepy dudes in rooms, but I mean, there are a lot of not that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy has like mafia funded movie. Like that's realistic to me. Getting, like, funding from crazy And it's crazy entirely corner. on, like, how good the espresso is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it really felt like if they'd brought him something he liked, he would have let them cast whoever mm. he wanted or something. You know, there was, like, so much writing on that. Right. That kind of <laughs> <laughs> That came highly recommended. Yes. <laughs> I was living out in L.A. for a little while after college, and... I went out with this guy who worked for William Morris and it just like was so crushing to hear mm-hmm. him talk about movies and mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, this is just kind of like a used car dealership. I really like shattered my illusions <laughs> pretty much because there's a lot of that going on. Well, I don't know. Let's talk about the dream part because it's so fun. There's just so many fun details in the whole beginning where I just love how like Rita keeps falling asleep under tables and in bushes (laughs) and like she's got a concussion but she falls asleep so many times and then Betty's even like you should not sleep if you have a concussion she's like no it's fine I'm good and she does go to sleep (laughs) I think it's really funny how chill Betty is when she finds a naked strange lady in her shower (laughs) right yeah she's just like oh sorry very chill about it yeah oh my I'm sorry, my Aunt Ruth didn't tell me someone was going to be here. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm Ruth's niece. My name's Betty. I'm sure she told you I was coming. There was an accident. I came here. I understand. I saw the dress. Sorry. Are you all right? What happened? A car. A car accident. Oh, you okay? I think so. I was just 
taking a shower. Oh my god, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll let you get back to that. I'm gonna get unpacked. And when she's talking to her aunt about it on the phone, she's like, I got such a surprise from your friend. And then her lie later, like, I kept saying it was my friend Rita, <laughs> but she just kept saying she doesn't know any Rita. It's just for a night or two, until she finds her own place. I try to explain that to Aunt Ruth, but the connection was bad and her plane was leaving, and she got it all mixed up. I kept telling her that it was my friend Rita, and she kept saying she didn't know any Ritas. She's such a funny, like, sleuthy, like, Nancy Drew type. I know, they're beginning. so excited to, like, be girl detectives. I love how wholesome she is. Yeah. She's just so, like, like bright-eyed, you know? Yeah. yeah, the cardigans, and she's just like, let's Her just like so find out who you are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Look in your, you know, she really wants to help her, you know? She's such a good character. All on drive. Thanks for That's where the accident was. There must be a police report we could call. No, we could call anonymously from a payphone just to see if there was an accident. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. Like the fantasy of Rita, you know, when Rita's Camilla, she doesn't need anything from Benny Diane. But when yeah. she's Rita, <laughs> she does. She's yes. like, I'm completely helpless. Right. I I've wonder... never been with any women other than you, as far as I know. Yeah, as far <laughs> as I know. She's like, I don't know. Have you ever done this before? I don't know. Like she's like, remember how I don't remember anything? Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I've done. <laughs> we can't give our sex history. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much significance there is to her naming her after Rita Hayworth. Well, there's a poster of Rita in oh, Rita's apartment, but oh, right, Di but I Diane's consciousness. Yeah, or just David Lynch, because you know we're noticing in Twin Peaks how much he loves to reference noirs. And yeah. I never saw Gilda, but I read a biography of Rita Hayworth, and she had, like, such a sad life. Yeah. yeah. She had mental health was, like, problems, right? as a child. Yeah. And it's a lot about, like, almost being, like, sort of pimped out in Hollywood. It was a really, really sad biography, mm. and then she got, like, early Alzheimer's, like, in her 40s or something. Jeez. Oh, like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, she had a real, yeah. Shit. It was really sad. I mean, I'm sure there's something to this. <laughs> yeah. There's like a literal recreated shot from Sunset Boulevard. Like when she's approaching the studio for her audition, there's a oh, shot okay. in some, that's the same shot as in Sunset Boulevard. It just looks a little different because it's he loves Sunset in the Boulevard. Movie. It's his favorite movie. It's so good. Yeah. It's yeah. Movie. <laughs> I know, it's funny to think about like what David Lynch's favorite movies are. <laughs> 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 I had a couple fun facts. One fun fact is that the recording of Rebecca Del Rio, who's the singer at Club Silencio, singing Yorando, when she first met with David, she sang that for him in his office, oh, and wow. he recorded it, and that was the recording. Wow. Oh, my wow. God. Isn't that fucking cool? That's so cool. <laughs> uh, Nicole Kidman was the one who convinced Naomi Watts to stay in L.A. until after Mulholland Drive is released. Aw. Good job, Nicole. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're friends, friends from right? a long time ago, right? Uh, fellow Aussies. 
And there was something about Mr. Roke, who is played by Michael J. Anderson. Oh, yeah. Is he a name for the character from Fantasy Island? I don't know, but probably. He's got an uncanny appearance in his scene because they gave him oversized arms and legs. (laughs) Did you notice that? Well, I noticed. I'm like, wait, that's the dwarf guy, but he sort of looks like he's not. I think that's fun. (laughs) <laughs> that That is fun. Oh, I do want to talk about the crazy scene with the hitman where it goes mm-hmm. so wrong. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. It is very funny. But also that that's in her dream. We were talking earlier. We had yeah. little different interpretations about right. it, which I really liked. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was her imagining that he's a really inept hitman. She was wanting to think that he didn't maybe successfully kill Camilla, but... So what yeah. I thought was, like, because he was very inept, I would agree yes. there. But the one thing he did get immediately was he killed the person that he was there to kill. He unequivocally did that. And then it was, like, all the aftermath that, like, there was so much more damage and other people killed after. Like, that's what I thought was going on in her mind. Did I set off a chain of events? Like, she was feeling so guilty about having her girlfriend whacked that she was like, oh, also, he's killing other people because of me. Right, like, what other lives are destroyed because of this? <laughs> I mean, you should feel bad. Yes, right. I know. I mean, I'm not all. Would... She should not have done that. Right. <laughs> this is my bad situation. <laughs> but I do wish she wasn't so sad. Oh, I really like her sad masturbating. <laughs> oh my god, I know that is amazing. Right. It's really good. That's probably the first time I've seen a woman masturbating scene in a movie. One that stands out for me, but is so bad, is in Single White Female. That's like one of the things you're supposed to do. Oh, she's crazy. (laughs) She's masturbating. She opens the door, it's like. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. I mean, I remember because I feel like it's one of the only times I remember female masturbation being represented in a movie in any way yeah that and parenthood which is half like, the point of the movie parenthood is that masturbation crazed. is only for men right i really want you to know that in Ugh, that movie it's that really movie. weird why it's so important in that movie <laughs> that masturbation for boys not for ladies if you're a woman who masturbates that means you are a sad lady who drives men away and cannot get a right. man but I wonder if, if you're a man who masturbates, that's just what little dudes do. That's just what dudes right. do. Right, yes, that's literally movie. what Keanu yes. Reeves says. I mean, the movie could not make it any clearer. <laughs> yes. Here I stand yeah. on masturbation. Oh <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> the, the cowboy, he's uh, David Lynch's friend named Monty Montgomery. <laughs> what a uh, name. Not an actor, but... <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't remember his lines, Aww. so Justin Thoreau was holding up boards for him to oh, read Oh, that's so camera. cute. I like that. <laughs> oh, no. And then the limo at the end of the movie's license... Well, I guess it's at the beginning, too, but the limo's license plate is Larry David's license plate from Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> is it personalized in some way? No. It's 2GAT123. Okay, I think that's all my fun facts. I like Robert Forrester for five seconds. Oh, yeah. The boys found this on the floor in the back of the caddy. Yeah. Show me. Could be unrelated. Could be. Any of those dead kids wearing pearl earrings? No. Could be someone's missing, maybe. Should I have that? 
Yeah. Dan Hedaya is like, the both of them, they're in the opening mm. credits, and it's like, God, they're barely in this movie. Well, you've got to put them in the opening credits. If you have them, then you're moving. <laughs> I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. What a fine is, this one comes highly recommended. That is really funny. <laughs> May I offer you gentlemen anything? Espresso. I think you're going to enjoy your espresso this time. I've done quite a bit of research, knowing how hard you are to please. This one comes highly recommended. My husband and I say espresso like that all the time, and it's... You sure do. It's simply a reference to that. <laughs> we think it's very funny. I don't know why. <laughs> it just really cracks us up, that whole thing. And it's Angela Badalamenti. I don't know if we said that before. <laughs> I didn't know that. You told me that, but I didn't. I would never yeah. know. Who is? It's Who is? the composer of, like, all David Lynch stuff. Yeah, oh, that's really yeah. cool. <laughs> so that's a fun fact, I guess. I like, it's strange to be calling yourself. Maybe it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I that. Strange to be calling yourself. Maybe it's not me. Sound like me, but she sounds familiar. And it is also really like the way when the hitman accidentally shoots through the wall and he's like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh man. <laughs> Such an underreaction to what's about to happen. That gives me the impression that like this happens all the time. Yeah. Like I told myself I wasn't gonna shoot innocent bystanders at my next case. <laughs> Here I am doing it again, and I gotta clean it all up. I know he's really bumbling there with the vacuum. Right. <laughs> he shoots the vacuum instead of just I know. Why turning it off or vacuuming. <laughs> so reckless. Hey man, hey! And hey, she's hurt real bad. Could you come here and call on the phone, please? I need you. She's hurt real bad. I'm serious. You gotta come in here and call the hospital. Come on, man! I'm serious about this! I can't do everything by myself, man! Oh, I hope he, she didn't pay you too much to okay. murder her girlfriend. Well, not nearly as much money as she dreams about her having, Yeah, you know? that's true. She only has, like, one little packet of bills in there. Yeah, it's so much money. I also think it's funny in that scene when she's giving him the money and when she gives him the head, he's like, don't give that to me here! <laughs> it's a headshot? Like, yeah. <laughs> this is the girl. Don't show me this fucking thing here. It's just an actress's photo resume. Everybody's got one. <laughs> That's not an unusual thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's probably upset, Lorraine. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I liked Adam, and he's talking with, I guess, his assistant on the phone, and she's like, you're broke, and he's like, I'm not broke, and she's like, I know, but you're broke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know, just like the back and yeah. forth with her, I thought I like was really rapport. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's a dream rapport, like, I bet in real life he's actually really shitty to his assistant. Yeah. <laughs> Someone maybe shut off my money. I know. Where are you, Adam? The, sorry, what, what, what do you mean you know? Somebody called. When they couldn't get you, they, they told me you were as good as broke. I didn't believe them, so I made a few calls. And? You're broke. Yeah, but I'm not broke. I know, but you're broke. You know, you, you, you could stay at my place if, if, you, if you wanted. Uh, uh, Cynthia, no, I don't think that'd be a good idea. I was just offering a place to stay. 
Yes, and I appreciate the offer, Cynthia. I'll, I'll find a place. Yeah, it's funny that she dreams that he's nice to his assistant. Like, he's <laughs> just the kind of nice director who would want right. to cast me and be nice to his assistant. The, I think he must really have been cheated on, and that's why she has that whole fantasy of, like, how that happened. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he just mentioned at the pool party. So I got the pool, and she got the pool man. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I wanted to buy that judge in Rolls Royce. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I like the cowboy talk. Oh, yeah. You already mentioned the line about the yodel, but then when he goes, you get a long little doggy and mm-hmm. call me back. <laughs> I like that. He really liked that cowboy thing. And I do like the cowboy. It's very ominous. He says, you'll see me two more times if you do bad. Mm-hmm. Now you will see me one more time if you do good. You'll see me two more times if you do bad. And then she sees him two more times. Like, we see him two more times in the in the movie because she did bad. <laughs> she did bad. Yeah. We see him telling her to wake up. Hey, pretty girl. Time to wake up. And then she sees him at the party. Mm-hmm. Which I think is like why he ends up in the dream is because she right. just saw this guy at a party <laughs> in the cowboy outfit and like dreamed up this whole idea about who right. he is. <laughs> right, just like how in real life, like she saw that guy, what's his name, Patrick, oh, Patrick Fischler. Yeah, yeah, she saw him in the Dave. in the diner. <laughs> yeah. And so then in his dream, he saw his friend in that spot where he was. Yeah. I like the the cowboy meeting in the corral where the cowboy is kind of like giving him a thought exercise of like, now what do you think about that? Or, you know, like a man's... I don't even remember. It was like something like man's attitude goes somewhere yes. toward determining how his life will be. <laughs> and then Adam's like trying to convince him. Yeah. No, I know what you're but... saying. <laughs> I just, I really loved that. Yeah, totally. Did you just say that because you thought it's what I wanted to hear? <laughs> yeah. I really believe it. <laughs> what I say. <laughs> and there's like, there's sometimes a buggy. Yeah. Like, slow roll on that one. Like, how many drivers does a buggy have? <laughs> and then he waits for him to answer. I like how his questions seem rhetorical, but they aren't. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was cowboy a... metaphors. Yeah, the cowboy <laughs> metaphors. And I liked Coco. You're a good kid, but what you're telling me is a load of horse pucky. Coco, she's very nice. Honey, you're a good kid, but what you're telling me is a load of horse pucky. I've never heard that term <laughs> horse like pucky before. Pucky. Is that just like poop or? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> does it work for poop? What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. Well, we can go through David Lynch's 10 clues to understanding Mulholland Drive. I think that's okay. a fun thing. This is yeah. something he, like, released at the time. So I saw this movie three times in the theater with my friend Faye and Jacob. Mm-hmm. And the first time we just took it all in and, like, had the most fun conversation afterwards talking about it. And then the next time we saw it, we are like, okay, now we almost get it, but we have to see it one more time. And then in between the second and third time, we saw... Like, and this was old school internet. Jacob was the one who found it because he was the one who knew how to use the internet back then. (laughs) It was on some kind of Reddit-ish type thing. So here are the 10 clues. One. Pay particular attention in the beginning of the film. At least two clues are revealed before the credits. Now, before the credits is just the, like, dancing. Yes. Okay. So I think one of them is just the jitterbug contest. So the clue being, like, that that really happened. And that she mentions it at the dinner party later. I always wanted to come here. 
I won this jitterbug contest. That sort of led to acting. You know, wanting to act. And then you hear somebody like snorting cocaine and falling into a pillow. <laughs> and that's her going to sleep. Okay. And then you see the green blanket and red pillow that are from her bedroom. Two. Notice the appearances of the red lampshade. Oh no, mm-hmm. I've never noticed it, I don't think. So there's a red lampshade in her apartment when she's getting the call from Camilla to go to the party. Oh, okay. In reality. That phone table, yeah. And that phone table in her dream, when they're doing that like chain of phones, that's like the last phone that rings but no one answers it. And it's her phone. We don't find out it's her phone until later. But it's like when they're saying the girl is still missing. Who's the missing girl? (laughs) And it's her because she's dead. (laughs) There's also the red lampshade in Ruth's. Oh, Ruth's Oh, okay. In her bedroom. But it's like her same lamp from Ah. her real life. But it's in that bedroom. (laughs) Hey, but Liz, are not helpful clues to be quite honest with you. (laughs) I feel like it doesn't care if we understand this movie. Three. Can you hear the title of the film that Adam Kesher is auditioning actresses for? Is it mentioned again? <laughs> is it the Sylvia Norr story? It's the Sylvia Norr story. But I don't feel like I hear it other than at the party. It's when she's brought across the street. Oh. That's the, that's the movie. And okay. it's the one but they're talking I, but about. But they say the title of it yes. in that scene? Mm-hmm. Okay. Four. I mean, accident is a terrible event. Notice the location of the accident. <laughs> <laughs> Mulholland Drive. Thanks where I was going. Mulholland Drive. Just to see if there was an accident on Mulholland Drive. It was on Mulholland Drive. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that they did I, hammer in. I yes, guess. right. Was there an accident on Mulholland Drive last night? Yes, there was. <laughs> I feel like I got that one. Where was the accident? But the accident actual is basically like Diane's heart getting broken. She accidentally went to this party where she got her heart smashed. Five. Who gives a key and why? The hitman. So this person who was interpreting it, he never like gives her the key. He just says you're gonna find the key. Okay. And then Betty never touches the blue key in her dream. Only Rita touches it. So the only key that is given and taken is from Aunt Ruth to Betty slash Coco to Betty. Oh, okay. Again, I don't know. How does that help understand this? I think it just... (laughs) These are the things he wants you to notice because he he took care to put them in. Yeah, I think so. Six. Notice the robe, the ashtray, the coffee cup. And I do think that those things are important for like dream life versus reality. I mean, I do think it's funny. It's very noticeable that she covers her with a robe and not a blanket when mm-hmm. she puts Rita to bed after her concussion. Yes. <laughs> and well, I guess she's already on top of the bed and it'd be weird to like... I feel like there's... Mm-hmm. A, uh, well. She's like, I just want to go to sleep. And Betty's like, you shouldn't go to sleep if you've had a concussion. Oh, how come she didn't go to the hospital? But it's a dream, so... It's a dream. That's... And that's... She said no hospitals and... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but it is funny how many times she has already slept. Right. Right. <laughs> the damage is probably done. I mean, she definitely has brain damage in this dream anyway. But then there's also, like, the robe contrast versus, like, their dream robes are so nice. And then mm-hmm. in reality, her robe is this, like, gross pink oh, so cherry shabby, cloth thing. Yeah. yeah. So the ashtray in reality is, like, a piano, right? Mm-hmm. Is there an ashtray in the dream that's different? The ashtray is important in real life because of the timeline. Oh, right, yeah. 
Because oh, her neighbor, when they, they switched apartments, that yeah. was her ashtray. Yeah. So you see the ashtray on her coffee table when she's making out with Camilla, and there's no key. So you see the coffee table with the ashtray, no key, and then later you see the ashtray gone, but the key there. Wow. So there's that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I just, I keep thinking about, like, how in the dream, Betty is just so wide-eyed and excited about things, and then Rita is, like, helpless, and then, like, in reality, it's just, like, oh, it's so crushing to so think about, like, the, the dream up. versus the reality. Well, the scene when they're making out is so brutal. Yeah. It's so brutal. It's so different than their love scene in her dream. <laughs> You were saying beautiful. You said you drive me wild. I shouldn't do this anymore. Don't ever say that. Don't, Diane. Stop it. Diane, stop. I've tried to tell you this before. Sam is not. Sucks to be in a toxic relationship with someone who's not into you. <laughs> oh, Camilla, why are you so mean? And yeah, even her outfit is so funny. She's wearing like the cutoff jeans and the tank top instead of like, yeah. those, like the cute little headlines yeah. or whatever you call them. Colorful <laughs> clothes. Sweater sets. Sweater sets. Oh my god, totally. Uh, let's see, what other ashtrays are there? Oh, in the dream, there's an ashtray at Aunt Bruce's house. The cigarette butts have, like, red lipstick on them. In her dream, like, she doesn't smoke, only other people smoke. (laughs) But in real life, she must smoke a little bit, because why would she need the ashtray otherwise? And then the coffee cup thing is that she has a winky coffee cup at home. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of funny. I guess because either she works there or she stole it from Winkies. Or she used to work there. These are funny because it's like it doesn't really help you unlock. I mean, the really the main thing to unlock is like just what's real, what's a dream. Yeah, I think you're right that these are all just things he wants you to (laughs) know. Well, and also, I don't know, like, I can't help but think about like the experience of Hollywood. I was like 22 and I went out with this older man who worked at William Morris Agency and like I really was excited about learning about the movies and what he did and stuff and it was just so disheartening like to hear him talk about movies and talent and the way that he did and you see in her dream how hopeful she is and like it's exciting and then the reality of all of it is it's just I don't know. I no, yeah, yeah I, that really hit there. me. Yeah. yeah, and then how he made this amazing movie about that. It's <laughs> like so extra level meta. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but people can still make like amazing art in this corrupt system. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love it. Seven. He wants you to notice what is felt, realized, and gathered at the club Silencio. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Obviously, like. The illusion. She starts to kind of come out of the dream at that point. And, well, and then the song is about, was, like, I love you, but you don't love me, and I'm crying, and all I want to do is cry. <sighs> There's something about Roy Orbison, too. It's just so, <laughs> I don't know, gut-wrenching. Mm-hmm. It's like, his voice is so, like, beautiful, but it's beautifully sad also. Yes, I think one of the widest vocal ranges of any, like, rock and roll singer. Oh wow! I think he's he got an amazing Freddie voice. Mercury are like on the same level yeah. as that, but not very many people can do like the whole, basically the whole spectrum. It's why it's so hard to sing songs karaoke. I'm trying. Yeah. 
They're beautiful songs, and we know that David Lynch loves Roy Orbison's songs. Eight. Did talent alone help Camilla? That's another clue. No. Not according to... Not according to Betty Diane, yeah. In fact, according to Betty Diane, there was no talent. Talent had nothing to do with it. Camilla had no talent. (laughs) She was just beautiful and manipulative. Nine. Notice the occurrences surrounding the man behind the Winkies. He is not a man. Great, I didn't think that was a man. So, that's first of all. Yes. There's like all kinds of interpretations of that. Like, that person being someone who is stripped of everything and had dreams once. They have the box back there, the blue box that went like toward the end. Oh, yeah. And that's where the little people come in. And there's like a piece of meat. (laughs) Like, right before the little, the old, little, old people come out of like this gross bag from behind the Winkies, it like zooms in on this wrinkled paper bag oh. with the blue box in it and like a piece of meat of some kind some unidentified chunk of flesh <laughs> which is another thing David Lynch loves <laughs> 10 and then where is Aunt Ruth is the final clue <laughs> Aunt Ruth did yeah. <laughs> apparently there's an old joke in the movie business that when someone's acting in Canada it means they're dead oh I oh. say like Aunt Ruth is in Canada shooting movie weird <laughs> I had never heard that. I hadn't it either. Like David Lynch would like an old Hollywood joke. <laughs> oh, and on the back cover of the first release of the Mulholland Drive DVD, he breaks the film down into three parts. Act one, she found herself the perfect mystery. Act two, a sad illusion. And Aww. act three, love. Aw, God, <laughs> David. I know. I love she found herself the perfect mystery. That was very funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. So, the lunchtime poll is, <laughs> I guess, tell a story about a way in which a dream impacted your real life. How about that? Does that work Just for tell everybody? a crazy story about a dream. Uh, I guess. Tell a crazy story about a dream. <laughs> okay. I don't really ever have any, like, vivid dreams, but I have had dreams where I've woken up and really thought that these things happened. I've definitely had the dream where I find out I'm pregnant, and then I I remember, like, waking up feeling terrified. You think it's so real? I had this recent one where it was, like, it's so silly, but... I dreamed that somebody, like, from the college I went to, like, tracked me down, like, the administration, like, to tell me, like, I don't really have a degree. I woke up feeling like, oh, I've been lying about this. Like, my nightmares are about, like, I've made a terrible mistake, or I've lied about something, or I've said something horrible. Like, those are my nightmares. I had, like, a dream where I woke up thinking, like, oh, this could be a really good invention because, like, there was, like, a fax machine in my dream, (laughs) but it was, like, faxing food. I woke up thinking, like, that that was really cool. That could be a... I wish that existed. That's my favorite kind of ridiculous thing. When you, like, dream something, you wake up and you're like, that's a great idea. I know. I think it through and you're like, oh, that's... I know. I like food (laughs) fax machine. Fax machine. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually, like, the same as stone ideas. It was... Yeah, I was like... I didn't think this through at all. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible thoughts. Well, I was kind of trying to decide between two. Maybe I'll do both. <laughs> in high school, I had a dream that I had a crush on my lab partner, which I totally hadn't. Like, before that, I was 
It was just like this red. He wasn't like a dick or anything. He was just, but I wasn't attracted to him at all. And then I had a dream that I had like a really intense crush on him. And then the next day in science class, I was like, do I really like this guy? And then I kind of thought I did. And then by the end of class, I was like, no, it was just the dream. <laughs> but it was really Aww. weird. Like I was so nervous going to school to see him at lab. And I was just like, oh, I think I have a crush on this guy now. And oh, weird. It took me like a really long time to realize that it was just my dream fucking with me, basically. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> dreams do that, though, like, because yeah. it makes you think, well, maybe there's something in my subconscious trying to, like, come out and tell mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I totally have those yeah. feelings, too. And then I had another intense, like, super intense dream a couple years ago that my husband cheated on me <gasps> and was, like, really unapologetic about it. And I woke up like crying oh no and then I told him the dream but then like for the whole rest of the day like I really felt like he had cheated on me like I really felt so hurt all day oh god and uh, finally I got over it but it was just so weird I was just like oh what a betrayal and it was like not real at all (laughs) so strange so this I wasn't the person having the dream in this story but uh so when I was about 22 me and my friend Andrea went to like her friend so she had a friend you know like when you're young you have the one friend who is like sort of really an adult and like so Andrea's friend Susan was like married and had a child like she was a full adult you know she yeah. was probably just like two years older than us so we went to her house. Every we were just like gonna hang out or whatever. And so I'm like 22. So I'm like all like hot topic, contempo casuals, gothy, mm-hmm. and I have all these like fake silver rings, right? Mm-hmm. And one of them had here. I tried to draw the little symbol. It kind of was like a yin and yang, but okay. it's sort oh, of yeah. more, it's like people. Yeah, right? yeah, neat. Okay, so I have a ring on my hand that looks like that, and. Susan's husband, Brad, he was like, can I see a ring? And I showed him and he looks up and he has like this face, like he saw a ghost, like his jaws on the floor. And I'm like, what? And he like points behind him and in the next room on the wall behind him is like a huge painting of that exact symbol. Whoa. I get so much weirder. (laughs) So, you know, that's why I was just like, oh, weird, you know? And then he's like, no, let me tell you what he, so he said, he's like, I had a very, very upsetting dream where like a very bad man gave me something, like he made me take it, and that's what it was. It was like this thing with this symbol on it. And he's like, I was so messed up over this, I was so haunted by it. And then it was some story about how he had been spending time with some like Native American tribe or something like in a sweat lodge or so. I remember that a sweat lodge had something to do with this story. And like he went to them, he was so troubled by this dream and they were like, you need to take control of it and not let it control you. So that's what they told him to do was like, you know, paint it and put it on your wall. This would look nice on your wall. So he tells me all that, and then he's like, and the person in the dream who gave it to me was Charles Manson. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Did that taint the the ring a little bit no, for you? Or were you just like, <laughs> okay. You're... I mean, I was just like, what a weird story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just remember yeah. thinking it was like really weird. It is. Yeah, well, it was really strange. That is... Like, I mean, is that... A known symbol? I don't know. I was trying to look it up. It's basically like a yin-yang except jagged instead of curved. So I did a half-hearted Google search trying to find is there a name for that and I couldn't find an image that looked like that. I just found like things that were yin and yang but looked a little more like people but not jagged like that. So mm-hmm. I mean there might, I maybe, I don't know. Kind of reminds me of like a locket or something like or like a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you take one of them. Yeah, it does. Like- <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was probably like some 
players or something. You yeah, know? totally. Like, now my heart belongs to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love it. That's great. And it's funny that he painted it. And it was huge. Like he's like painting it to make it not scare him. I mean, just yeah, kind of like, like the diner so guy. by it and they were like, this is how you can free yourself or something. <laughs> Did it work? I don't know. I mean, I, I probably never saw that guy again, but just once or twice. You know, this was like friend of a friend person. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I've told you everything I know. <laughs> well, the other funny thing about that, before that happened, was I didn't know this until just as I went to sit down on their couch, Susan goes, Amy, get off of that. And I'm like, what? And they had a dog named Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, who names their dog Amy? But oh my God, it's very bedtime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I don't know what's going on in this place. <laughs> You're like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> what did I do? I'll sit on the floor. Right. Greetings and salutations. I guess the only thing left to do is shout outs. All right. And I was hoping we'd have some listeners from Montana. David Lynch Ooh. is from. Spokane, but also Missoula, Montana. Oh. He calls both places home. And of course, he lived in Philadelphia for a while. I'd rather be anywhere else but Philadelphia. Right. Hello, Montana. Montana. Uh, maybe someday you'll listen oh, to our podcast. Is that why there's a character named Montana in Invitation to Love? Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> and why Maddie Ferguson is from Missoula, Montana. Oh. Well, <laughs> pink stuff. Oh. We've been deep diving into Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys ever been to Montana? I want uh, yes. to. I've never been. I drove from Seattle to Boston in 2002. Stayed the night at the Come On Inn in yeah. Missoula, Montana. <laughs> and then after driving in the morning, we drove from there to Helena. And what I do remember is we stopped for coffee and the barista looked so much like Crispin Glover. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah. Fun. Did you talk like Crispin Glover too? I, I don't remember that that specifically, but I do remember that we left and we were both like, okay, I didn't know that's what Crispin Glover was doing. <laughs> <laughs> For a role. Yeah. <laughs> just playing a regular old barista in That's funny. I remember when I was a kid, we took a train to Bozeman from Portland and... I remember it being super fun, and my dad recently told me that he remembers it as, like, the most fraught family vacation of all time, (laughs) because apparently, like, the train broke down for a long time at one point, and I didn't remember this happening. I just remembered, like, partying with other kids on the train, and he Mm -hmm. said that they, like, basically ran out of food, and the bathrooms got all stopped up, and, like, I don't remember any of that. I just remember being like, this is the fun of the (laughs) train! ended up adding like 12 hours to the trip or something. Ugh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to check out Missoula sometime. I've heard it's cool. Yeah, I've heard yeah. it's cool. I, I really just spent the night there. On the next episode of Paid in Puke, we're talking about a movie that won't be ignored. Adrian Lyme's 1987 thriller, Fatal Attraction, starring Glenn Close and Ann Archer. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, Please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Annie Malone, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. 
Follow us on Twitter at Paid and Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid and Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.